you know, if if you can cover um, Randy Moss one on one for 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 a game, uh, there's no bigger fear than that. <laughs> so a lot of the challenges I'm facing in business, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I I can deal with it. But this is Sean Springs, 13 year NFL vet, now CEO of Winpact, hanging out with my man Kevin on the Heads and Tails podcast. Come to the podcast, get all the good insight from the best minds. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Salm, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports, health, and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life, but you can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Today I'm honored to have uh, former NFL cornerback uh, Sean Springs, who played 13 years in the NFL, and he was drafted third overall in the 1997 draft out of the Ohio State University uh, by the Seattle Seahawks, where he played for seven seasons, and then he went on to play five seasons with the Washington Redskins, uh, and he finished his football career in New England. And more recently, Sean is the founder and CEO of the safety technology company Winpack, uh, which is based in Leesburg, Virginia. Uh, so, Sean, uh, like I said, I'm really honored to have you on the show, and I feel like you're the perfect example of how to set yourself up for a successful life after sports. Uh, yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to hear your story. So, can you kind of talk about what that transition to life after football was like for you? Uh, yeah, man. I, it was one, I think, you know, every athlete uh, understands that, you know, playing in the NFL or making it to the NFL, living out your dream is there's something that it's an honor and privilege, but we also understand that, you know, it's, it's not for long, right, the NFL. And it's something that, you know, I tell – and I was told growing up by my dad, who was a professional football player, was use NFL as a stepping stone. Develop contacts, uh, network, uh, make sure you take meetings with people while they're interested in meeting with you because you never know post-career who who could help you out, what, what type of contacts you may – run into that can help you succeed in, in your afterlife. And um, I really took that to heart and made sure when there was an opportunity to network or meet with some executive, I would ask him questions and uh, kind of spend time learning about them. Yeah, that's an interesting concept of like you're an NFL player versus you were an NFL player and what yeah. that what weight that holds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was an NFL player. And, and another thing about transitioning out of the NFL, real quick, that I, I need to add, I think the, the biggest thing for me personally was, you know, it wasn't a desire to go back and play, but it was just now what do I do when, you know, 13 years I had the NFL team tell me, got to be a practice at this time <laughs> at 7 a.m., your day is over, three is all scheduled out. And you get seven months of the year where your schedule is exactly what it needs to be. And the other four months you have freedom, but more more importantly, you know you have to work out. And that was two, three hours a day. And then now it's time management. How do you effectively manage your time transitioning? So that was that was a difficult thing for me to really understand and, and kind of get used to. Like adding structure back into your day, you mean? Yeah, adding structure back into your day. And it's and it's, it's, it's a challenge, and you, you get all distracted, and you got to come back and say, no, I need to be doing this. Okay. Did your dad struggle in his transition to life after football, too? And that's kind of why he was, like, vocal and kind of making sure that you were taking advantage of the opportunity that you were that you earned? 
Well, I think the difference is, you know, those guys, you know, my dad was in an era where some of the players worked in the offseason. And we were the my generation or maybe just a little bit before maybe the first generation uh, of athletes who, you know, could actually, you know, make enough money doing a real job, which is the NFL and playing sports to be able to save and support their lifestyle. So uh, for me, I think my dad, my dad just he was just it was you're right. His transition and the lessons learned that from his transition really helped me and say, hey, you need to do this. Right. OK, cool. Uh, it's cool that you had that resource to kind of guide you a little yeah. bit too. And guided me while I was in the NFL. You know, obviously it, it helps when your dad is telling you like, hey, man, as you get older, here's some of the things that your body's going to change. Andrew, here's when it's, here's when it's time to uh, <laughs> give it to quits when you know you can't go no more. So then that kind of helps uh, put in perspective like where you are in a life cycle of plants playing a game right and it's also different like hearing it from someone who played in the nfl versus like the napoleon dynamite uncle who like (laughs) played in high school and he's like you know still trying to relive the glory days it's like yeah so can you tell us a little bit about the mission of your company winpac yeah yeah winpac um and and I and I can tell people out there the exciting thing about Winpact or my roots really began in Seattle when I was left uh, Ohio State and drafted to Seattle. I was fortunate enough to go to a city where uh, just so much excitement around technology. Mr. Allen, who owned the Seahawks at the time and bought the Seahawks, who founded Microsoft with Bill Gates. There was a young company out there starting to sell books online, all right? That, yep. We that company today, right? It's going Amazon. <laughs> there was another company out there selling water and coffee for $4 and <laughs> a company at Starbucks. So I was, I was fortunate enough to be in a city where the technology and um, this kind of spurs innovation kind of rub off on you. So you fast forward 13 years later. I had the opportunity to see a technology that was revolutionizing the way they were protecting babies' heads and babies' car seats, and I just thought it was amazing. The way this technology was um, really changing side impacts in cars. And um, I saw the technology, and I was just like, man, I thought I was going to be on a Virginia countryside driving my kids around to AAU basketball games and football games. You you know how it is when you're going to all the tournaments. But then I quickly realized that that I, I didn't I wasn't a good Uber driver and I was always late, but that I needed to do something. So, you know, my company Winpack, you know, we uh, we uh, saw the I originally saw the technology, but we have our own patents and and work with Durrell Safety First, a company, the baby car seat company. I, I was able to get our own patents, and we like to say today we are technology and applied science company that focuses on impact protection. And and the unique thing about our technology, the Crash Cloud, is it absorbs and disperses energy, and it can and it, and it can be applied to a wide range of applications. Today, we're working in the helmet space, in the sports and rec- recreational space, as well as military and automotive. So it's an impact protection solution that we can apply to anything that deals with impact. To make yeah. long, all that said, Kevin, to make a long story short, we're the, we're the intel for impact protection. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool how, how encompassing 
you know, or how wide your your reach is with the different industries. I even saw on your website too, like, uh, or in another article you were you were featured in, is you're looking at how to protect the elderly. Right. Yeah, I, I might have uh, exaggerated just a little bit, but parents fall, grandparents fall, and stuff. Yeah. But we can protect against that too. Exactly. Uh, so you talked about the the crash cloud. So can you yep. just explain that technology yep. Uh, yep. to the listeners? Well, to the listeners out there, the easiest way to understand it, um, put in a layman's term, is if you jump off a side of the building and land on an airbag, that's disbursement technology. If you jump off a side of the building and land on a mattress, that's absorption technology. Our, our crash cloud technology is a unique combination of both. Imagine an airbag with a mattress inside, right? And, and the unique thing about the crash cloud is a tunable solution, meaning um, not only can, can it protect for um, – somebody coming down the hill at 40 miles per hour on a bike uh, in Temecula, California, in a canyon, who's doing crazy flips like you see on X Games, but also my daughter that rides her bike in a, in a cul-de-sac. And the reason why you, the reason why this is a unique solution, because if you, for the listeners out there, if I had it in my hand and I squeeze it, it's soft on low and medium impacts, and soon I put it on the table, boom, it would tighten it up. And that's because we like to say it's a unique combination of uh, foam and controlled airflow. So it's soft and pliable in your hand. And then soon you put on a tape, boom, the air gets trapped in almost like an airbag. So Cool. And I'll uh, link up a video that kind of explains that too yeah. for the listeners so they can go in the show notes and check it out for themselves. Yeah. Uh, did you do you have – I think I, when I was doing my research that you had kind of an unexpected collision yourself with your yeah. family that kind of led to this uh, – yeah, one, um, um, a whole bunch of collisions when I played in the NFL for 13 years before at college at Ohio State. But one day back on a way home from um, visiting my grandmother down about two hours south of Washington, D.C. in Williamsburg, there was a, a car parked on a highway about 10 o'clock at night. It was parked pitch black. It was a black vehicle. Didn't see it, and I smacked into it uh, probably about 70 miles per hour. And um, thank God for, you know, we were in a bigger SUV and no one was seriously hurt. But I noticed my five-year-old son who was in the baby car seat where the technology was being utilized just got out like nothing happened. So so right then and there, I was a believer in the science behind the technology and, um, and, and, and that technology today is we're making uh, lives safer by putting that same technology in protective equipment. Cool. Is that the same son that's uh, at Georgetown now? No, he, that, no. Those are my older kids. They were in the car, but uh, it was my as my little eleven year old. He was about five, six, seven years, six. My son that's at Georgetown, man. They in Richmond. They they both were fine. Okay, good. Uh, all right. So, how important is having a creative outlet to the transition to life after football? Like, how important was that to you? <laughs> um, well, I think I've always been uh, excited about the possibilities of technology. Like I say, that goes back to my Seattle days. Um, but um, I just realized that, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. I love the excitement, the ups and downs, the, the challenges that we are faced on a, on day to day. But and, and, I, and I think, you know, the competitive atmosphere and building a team it's something I'm very familiar with from my days of playing the NFL. I tell people all the time, building a company um, is, is very, you know, although 
I'm a first-time CEO, but building an organization is very much like what I seen with the Patriots, Redskins, the Seahawks, right? <laughs> and I can be, and I can correlate, you know, this role to some of the things I learned uh, while being in the NFL, and so it's good, man. And it's one of those things where you know I'm out here just trying to get it done. Yeah, it's awesome. Have Have you ever been like intimidated getting into the tech space, like going from being a football player? And I don't know what you studied at Ohio State and stuff like that, but I know even for myself, like getting into podcasting, which is a you know some would see as a creative outlet. I knew nothing, so I was a little intimidated trying to start. Well, I I, I think and I would be in. There's a beauty of like you know we'd always say in sports you you know what you you don't know right like you don't know what you don't know right and so coming in with a fresh clean slate and, and just a different outlook understanding I'm working in a space a sports space that I'm very familiar with and comfortable with so uh, I can tell you from putting on a helmet there's very few people that I, I come across who understands a helmet technology <laughs> at least wearing it and human factors is is as well as I do. Um, but that's part of, you know, building an organization, um, you having an idea, having a vision and then go get people, the team members who, who can execute and support that idea. So, you know, if I didn't have a team, it would be one of those things where it would be, uh, scary, but any entrepreneur out there, you know, if, you know, if you have an idea, go get the smart people out there that's in that space. So am I, does technology scare me? Um, no, I'm excited about it. But when you're working with guys like Professor Joel Stitzel, at, who's the head of the biomedical department at Ohio uh, at, at Wake Forest, and Dr. Bolte, who's at Ohio State, and he considered the father of impact protection for, for interior vehicles. So when you know you have those type of level of people working with you, and you're like, well, I'm not scared to go into GM because I got the guy who who develops all the technology for the car, cars, our interiors anyway. So it's all about the team and the support that you have around it. You know how it is. You, you're not afraid to play for the Patriots because you know t Tom Brady going to give you a chance, man. Right, and that, that segues nicely into kind of the translatable skills that you learned yep. you know, from playing football. So when was the moment that you kind of made the realization that football skills could actually translate to success off the field? Well, I, I, I think the things um, that I, I do, the things that made me successful in NFL uh, can translate to any industry. You know what I mean? And, and we're talking about discipline. You mean uh, having a discipline, detail in your work, um, being passionate about something, right? You know, um, hard work. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you, you play sports, you told me growing up, but you know, uh, being able to compete in a, in a stressful environment is something that, you know, if if you can cover um, Randy Moss one on one for 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 a game, uh, there's no bigger fear than that. <laughs> so a lot of the challenges I'm facing in business, you know, I'm like, eh, I, I I can deal with it. But all those things I talked about from discipline, detailing your work, hard work, work ethic, putting it in. All those things, you know, if you if you study some of the top executives, those would be some of the characteristics that you find in them. What's the number one skill that you uh, rely on today that you think was kind of forged in your football career? Being able to listen, um, 
you, you know, one thing about football, and even as I became a veteran and an older player, you know, I always looked and listened to see, you know, so I could stay relevant into the game. And I think that's that's a that's a that's a that's a something that you have to really work on because people you don't know it all. So you got to be able to listen to um, the experts and the people who can give you sound advice. And, and with that also being said, you also got to know the right people to listen to. So I think the one thing that, you know, that was made me successful is, you know, having coaches like Coach Holmgren, Coach Gibbs, and Coach Belichick, you listen. And and, I, and I'm very thoughtful for listening to the people I hire and trust their judgment and I listen. All right, that's great advice, yeah. That's a skill that I've had to develop or that I've developed further by just doing this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Like, I remember I first started, I would be, like, trying to chime in and, like, talk, and then, like, I'd go back and edit it. I'm like, dude, just shut up, man. Like, just let them talk. <laughs> just just listen, let them talk, man. Yeah, so, I, yeah, that's been a learning experience as well, but that's cool that you learned that in football. Uh, so let's go, let's go to your football career and let's yeah. kind of talk about some of the injuries that you suffered throughout your career. I mean, you, you played 13 years, right? In the NFL. Yeah, man. That's a long it's time. It's not easy to do. Yeah. It takes a lot of hard work. A lot of, uh, all the things I mentioned to, uh, alluded to earlier in that conversation. Um, but yeah, man, football is a, um, not for not for a faint of a heart sport, right? It's one of those things that you got to stay on top of your nutrition, health, sleep, and all those things. But I've had some, you know, I've, I've probably had in football probably 15 concussions while I play, you know. And, and some of those concussions, I don't want the podcast to think, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's brain is mush. I'm talking about, and it's probably happened to everyone out there where you kind of get dinged a little bit and you and you you see stars for like 20 seconds and today in today's game that's a light concussion or <clears throat> a light ding um but completely out i've been completely out twice and uh one time i got hit on sunday night i think against the eagles where i separated my shoulder broke a rib knocked my tmj out and i woke up and i just remember T.O. crying and Brian Dawkins praying, <laughs> and, and I wasn't breathing, right? I just woke up like, oh, God, like, only can remember one name. And, uh, and then I only can remember one name, and I was starving when I woke up and wanted some Oreos. But uh, <laughs> so. Um, Were you scared, like, after that that hit at all? or Man, you, you, you know what? I, I, I think, you know, you – you expect, you know what you're getting when you're playing in the NFL. You know, injuries can happen. I mean, I, I broke, I broke fingers, um, had ligaments, uh, um, sprained knees, broken shoulders twice. Um, so I mean, this it's part of the game, man. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It's like it's like it's truly like having a lot of car accidents. <laughs> every year you just just for the fans out there, every year you just in one car accident, some worse than others. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was uh, playing football that there's like some feature on Ladanian Tomlinson and like his workouts going into the like for the off season, and they were saying he literally said it's like I'm preparing for you know 16 car crashes. Uh, yeah. you know, coming up. So I, I have to prepare my body and it's true. It's, yeah, it's not a sport for the faint of heart, like you said. Uh, but you, even despite all of those injuries you, to, to play in the NFL 
for 13 yeah. years. Like, do you have a secret to co- career longevity in football? Like, did you take care of those injuries? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, part of it is, part of it, Kevin, it, it, is you bless. You know, some people just, you know, think my mom and my dad, you know, ever since I was a little boy, I could run, right? You know, some of the stuff you just can't teach is just God given. You faster than everybody else, or some kid is bigger than everybody else. I just so happen to be faster than a lot of people in the world at the time, and I could just run. But more importantly, even when I was in the NFL, and you know how hard you work, how how hard I worked at Ohio State for my first three or four years, I did those same workouts. I would go back and train with my uh, partner. Uh, my training partner was a guy named Joy Galloway at the time. And Joy was, you know, Joy, most people can see Joy on ESPNU now, right? And he still can work out. Joy probably still can run a 4-3. But um, so one of the things for me was to always treat my body like a NASCAR and just continue to always get worked on, a lot of massages, therapy. I had an oxygen chamber tank when I was playing and everything. I just was trying to stay up on the latest things. I, I mean, I got into Bikram to make sure even though I lift a lot of weights, I, I, I re- maintain my flexibility and stuff like that. So that's all you do. All right, cool. Those are those are good tips. Uh, so what style of cornerback were you? Were you the kind of guy that would like get up in your face and like really throw your body around there? Or were you just, you know, kind of playing, uh, playing for the picks, you know, or uh, I think the unique thing about me is, excuse me, and the unique thing about my style of play is I could do it all. I was I was tall enough to could cover big receivers up to tight ends. Um, you know, I was fast enough where I could cover little quick dudes and shit. You know, the little shifty guys like the Julian Edelman's guys you see today. You know, or and um, I, I, that's that's probably why I was a, the third. Uh, picking a draft, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't you don't get picked there for for nothing, yeah, for nothing. So, I, I think you know, honestly, if people ask me that all the time, and I try not to brag, but I, I can't recall a a obvious flaw that I had playing a game because whatever I, I believe in deliberate practice, whatever I'm not good at, I practice, practice, practice until I am good at that. So if I wasn't good at off technique, I'm going to be good at off technique. If I had to become a better tackler, I focused on tackling. I made that strength. So whatever my weakness was, and this is something I carry over into to, uh, my day-to-day workings at, at wind practice, whatever I'm not good at, I got to become good at, and I got to learn, and I got to learn from the best. You know, I, I, I can recall the early days just getting good at just responding to emails, right? Like that important. And I wanted to be really, really good. <laughs> so my sister, she had come in and doctored my emails. But now I'll just, you know, and then I have her check. But I really, you know, just that, I mean, that's something that's simple, but it's important, right? Like you want to be able to effectively communicate and be able to uh, get your point across and yeah. get things. Be reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so since... You know, you, from the time your dad played to when you played to today, how do you think football has evolved over that time period? And do you think that it's going in the good direction? Yeah, I honestly think that football is going into uh, the great, a great direction. Um, I was, you know, it's funny. I was in the league office two weeks ago. Actually, I was in the league office today. Uh, the Colin Kaepernick story came out, but uh, I just had a chance to talk with Chad Johnson and. 
not Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson was there, but the commissioner. And I'm just really excited about, you know, the commitment that they want to make the game safer with the head health tech challenges and dedicating millions and millions of dollars towards safety for the player safety um, as far as the, as far as the NFL. And, and, and acknowledging that we need is a beautiful game when played correctly, but we need to make it safe, and that's where the rule changes come in. Uh, I will tell you the biggest difference from um, my dad playing and you know me playing to now is the athletes. You know we we're starting to get into an age where the quantified athlete and athlete or technology. Let's say, let them name say the athlete, but the athlete is improving because the athlete is becoming smarter, understanding the importance of sleep, nutrition. Uh, taking care of the body, uh, coaches are getting smarter because of the, the the data and the analytics and how rapidly you can diagnose things. Like, you know, I remember when I when my dad and those guys, you know, they had plays and they offense a little more simple simple than, you know, you had twenty one personnel or fullback and running back, but now you barely see a fullback fullback in a game. There's like three receivers, right? So it's more of a wide open, um, almost looks like seven on seven trying to score points game so that that's changed the athletes are just intelligent guys um technology man the fan experience right you know fantasy football i, I, I got into fantasy football this year and just the, the amount of information and data and and that's available to the, the the end customer the people the fans as well as the the players is incredible what's it been like for you to play fantasy football as a former nfl player <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I let it auto pick because I told I told the team this year that it's unfair for it, a pro against Joe's and they they give me a hard time because they all know about football. But uh, it, it's it's weird. But there's one thing I can look up like if I could read on a team or I can watch a team play. Like, oh man, the Chicago Bears defense is a lot better than people think, right? You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, once I see a little bit, I can just tell. I, I watch so many. So so many years of, of footage and film, I can tell, man, I could probably tell you, like, for the most part, as soon as I see the first quarter, who's going to win the game unless some fluky happens. I've just seen it so much. Right, yeah, it's all about the matchup. Yep. Uh, do you think, like, what about, I know uh, Richard Sherman said something, I think, last season about fantasy football and how, like, almost, like, unethical it can be in some ways. Like, you know, everyone's like, when guys get hurt and stuff like that, does that like ever cross your mind or not really? No, I never crossed my mind about fantasy football. I think a little bit it may cross my mind now that you can bet on games and stuff. But um, fantasy football, I think it's you know, it's a way to compete and kind of have a, a team of people, a group of people to be able to have something to come around yeah. as well as the game. Yeah, it's. I think it's fun too. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Uh, all right. So, do you think? that i mean in terms of like the evolution of helmet technology yeah i feel like football in a lot of cases has been pretty slow to evolve compared to yeah. other industries such as like nascar and uh, um, yeah, yeah. other industries with high impact so you know do you think there's a reason for that yeah there there, there is a reason for that man and and i think you're absolutely right and it's not just football let's let's just say like maybe sports helmets or sporting equipment or protective gear, you're right. If you look at how much a Honda Accord has changed in, in 30 years compared to where football has changed, football helmet has changed in 30 years, it's just night and day. And part of it is because the way uh, 
you know, this is why Wimpack exists today, but part of it is the way manufacturers or people who build it, protective sporting equipment, the way they go about building the equipment is totally different from what you see in the automotive space, where in the automotive space, they're using a lot of, well, for the fan people out there, the FEA modeling or uh, finite an element analysis, right? It's for the fans out there, people out there, it's the, when you see on your computer, people are spinning things around and kind of testing it and theoretically seeing how it's going to be effective before you even build it. That's how Boeing and Raytheon and all these people who build airplanes and aerospace and, and automotive space build those things. And that, and, that, and that is something that, you know, we build our products that way, but that's new to the industry. No one in sports uh, builds build plane, I mean, build uh, how much away you would build a plane or a car. So therefore, you can only get incremental gains, right? Nowadays, because of machine learning and artificial intelligence, if, you know, the computers and, and the type of information and data at the, that they can understand the impact profiles is going to change the way we look at impacts, right? Like pretty soon when the, when the sensor helmets come out, everyone is going to know by the end of the year, you have 400 hits on your helmet and dislocation and this. I mean, it's common to that. You know, now the, the big argument, Kevin, is going to be around who owns that data, right? Is that the team data? Is that your data that you can share with your doctor? So it's a lot of stuff around that, but that's coming. Yeah, it complicates things a little bit, but probably yeah. in in the end, probably for the better. Right. Uh, but to, to your point, the automotive guys and, and NASCAR, I mean, those are some of the smartest engineers and people in the world working on. You know, you got some brilliant people over at Boeing or GM or Ford and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned on one of our previous podcasts a couple of weeks ago how Tom Brady switched his helmet over. And he he wore the helmet that I wore like in little league football. Yeah, man, the VSR four, man, the, the the white square pads in the inside. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was cool that he kind of it fit better with his brand, his whole TB twelve uh, brand that he has going. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So where do you see safety technology going in the future? Yeah. And you know, both like in broad scope and then at, yeah. at Winpack. Oh well. I, I, let me back up by saying this, you know, before I go into where I see safety technology in the future. Today, I think there's a concerted effort to make sports safer, more so than ever before. You know, I mean, at 2010, I think um, when Congress called, you saw the movie Concussion, when Congress called the helmet manufacturer on the hill at the end of the movie, I think that really changed and brought light to the situation. Like, hey, we got NFL players and soldiers committing suicide or killing themselves because of the effects of traumatic brain injury. So I do believe that today is, is you know, the era we in today, that safety is starting to become awareness and really, really important. And there's a lot of effort to try to spur innovation and technology where I believe it's going to be in the future is you know there's going to be open innovation it's going to be companies um, who who aren't the traditional companies that you've seen like the Rodell's of the world who've been around 60 years there's going to be some smart kid out of MIT who comes up with a new <laughs> foam or something that's suspended and can keep you protected I just think that it's, it's going to be the some of these outside innovation, some of these startups 
people who were brilliant minds from universities in partnerships with the Googles and GMs and the Rydells of the world, really changing the landscape of it. And where I, where I see it's going to be, I just think that, you know, uh, sports technology from the fan experience to the players experience is just going to be um, futuristic. I believe it's going to be data. I believe it's going to be a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and biometrics and all those different things. And then from the fan experience, it's going to be like you, you see just playing fantasy football. You're going to know everything about the athlete, whether it's basketball, football, his background, where high school he went to, his recruiting, everything about it. I think it's going there. As far as WinPAC, you know, we, we want to get into one. We want to be the most advanced impact protection company in the world. But that's also meaning that we know that as we start to collect the impact data from the U.S. Army and some of the things that we see in the Air Force helmets and military helmets or any of the armed service helmets that we're working on, taking that learning from stuff we're doing in automotive and, and, and finding commonalities between some of the impacts and, and data, right? You know, yeah, that's what I get to. Did you happen to see the 60 Minutes uh, segment on CTE and the military and, like, combat veterans? Oh, I didn't see that. I need to go to it back and see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send uh, I'll send you the link. But it was, like, eye-opening for sure. It, like, definitely made me scared for my own personal uh, yeah. brain health. But, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really – I think it's awesome that you're kind of serving as, you know, the protector – yeah, you know, for a lot of these industries. Do you do you see yourself as a protector? No, nah, man. I just see, I just see uh, a person who's who's inspired to make the game safer for the next generation. You know, I think everyone out there can. You know, I don't know if you have kids or anything, but once you start to have kids and and a family, I, I think what's important is how do you leave. Uh, how do you protect your loved ones? What are you doing to leave your legacy and, and make the next generation better instead of just taking from the earth? You know, I like to say you got to get back. Right. I give you my. None of us are free from responsibility, man. We all got to be able to do our part, right? I agree. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying, man. Uh, so, what went into your decision to retire after 13 years? Oh, man, I wish I could have kept playing. It's just I had a right knee injury in the camp in uh, 09 that I never really recovered for and played the 09 season, pretty much banged up in New England my last year in 2010. I just could not get it done. All right. What advice do you give current NFLers today that you talk to? I just tell them, you know, the good thing about this generation of athletes is these guys are just so brilliant. You know, they're so talented. So, so talented. I mean, these guys understand their, the power of their brand, you know, <laughs> you know, because of the social media and, and blogs and all this stuff that you, you guys are doing on these podcasts. You know, guys are, you know, they, they're smart guys. And, and, and the thing I, 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 I consistently put out to guys is, man, is just, man, uh, understand your, um, your, your, your networking and your network currency, the, the value of your network. You know, be humble, go out there, respect others, have a plan and vision of where you want to be. And when you had set that high level vision, had mid tier goals and low level goals that you can accomplish to make sure you can always execute on it. And, and that's what I tell guys go out and get it done. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it kind of resonates with a lot of stuff that we talked about today. Um, uh, 
one question that I ask all of my guests um, yeah. is what's your definition of toughness and how has this definition evolved over your playing career into today or if it hasn't changed at all? Yeah, I guess my definition of toughness is uh, how do you, you know, being able to endure things that, that, that may have uh, been hurtful or uneasy or um, that, you know, really could affect you and you've been able to bounce back because no matter who you are in life, you know, something's going to happen to you. So toughness is, or some people like to use the word grit, Kevin, that grit, you know, it's something that sometimes is learned in your environment, sometimes it's developed, you know, over time or who you are, but I just like to say, man, being able toughness to me is being able to come, be able to bounce back from a little bit of adversity, or whatever adversity that you face in life. Okay. And uh, who would you say the toughest player that you ever played against uh, was, <laughs> based off of that definition, and then maybe oh, the hardest to, to cover, like Randy Moss? <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah. Um, man, I would say my, my my he was my college teammate and my NFL teammate, and I had to play against him. Although I would say Joey Galloway. I mean, he he overcame a big. Knee injury in college, we blew his ACL, came back and ran a 4-1, then did it in the NFL, came back and had successful. And you talk about you can never get in his head, you can never rattle him. And I think, you know, if he had had a few few more uh, quarterbacks who could get him the ball, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer. But first-hand experience, I mean, Joy is just so mentally tough, physically tough. Um, he, he was a complete package when you talk about the mentality of an athlete. Awesome. Did you did you like take anything that you learned from him and kind of install into your game in your life today? Oh yeah, man. I had no choice, man. You know, um, <laughs> I I remember the first time I showed up to Ohio State and I walk in a weight room and I see this this five ten five eleven receiver about a buck eighty five at the time benching like three forty five three fifty five and I was like, who is that? <laughs> Like, what is that guy doing, right? And he's like, oh, that's a receiver. I was like, oh, my goodness. I got a long ways to go. You know, little, little chump like myself coming in here thinking he's the man, but I got a long ways to go. And I tell you what, I just kind of, Joy always challenged me, you know, even my red shirt year. By the end of my, my freshman, true freshman year, you know, Joy would call me out to go up against him. Little Sean, I need to get some work. And, you know, and... Going against that speed, toughness, strength, and power every single day, going against that <laughs> just makes you better, and it just makes you not afraid to like you know just go up against the best man, and, and you and just and then once I once I just got used to him whooping on me a little bit, me getting better, getting my technique better, getting up, catching up, sometimes covering him, getting better, getting better, getting better. So by the time I came out, it was just like, hey, I've seen the fastest guy in the world who plays on pay, or who plays on the football field, and and I'm so mentally strong and tough just playing at Ohio State. The whole atmosphere of playing at the Ohio State is really an amazing thing. Yeah, I worked for the Rutgers football team uh, at some points, and we <laughs> went there, and it, it didn't work out too well for our team, but it's definitely a cool yeah. environment to be a part of no matter what side of the, the win column you're on. Yep. Um, all right. So I guess we'll finish up this conversation. Just like, 
you know, are you worried about your health going forward? And I kind of mentioned it before that, you know, I see stuff on in the news and on TV and I kind of worry, you know, what my cognitive health might look like. But well, I, I tell you what, I, I'm aware of, you know, potentially long term effects. Um, am I am I worried? No, I, I tell you what I am excited about. I'm excited about some of the medical professionals, some of the things that I come across, you know, when you go over to Wake Forest and Biomedical Department or the things you read about that's being done over at the NIH or Walter Reed. You know, I am excited about the fact that there's some brilliant minds working on a solution to help mitigate the effects of traumatic brain injury. Do I think anybody in our lifetime will solve concussion? I, I, probably not. And if and if there's somebody out there who have an idea who can stop a concussion, call me so I can invest in their company. <laughs> I, I would no longer put money into it. In fact, I'm going straight to that company because you created something that, you know, that's almost impossible to do as long as your brain is inside the skull. But I'm excited about just the medical professionals and the people and the direction of just understanding of uh, health. Awesome. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story and your, your insight. And, and Kevin, we might have to get our brains replaced in 15 years, man. They might, with some smart people, man. Yeah, some Frankenstein I, I, stuff. I, well, yeah, some Frankenstein stuff. I can use your brain. I'll use your brain, man. They got some good sense in it, man. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll take yours, too. Sounds like uh, you're not doing too bad for yourself either, so. A little swap, and I could have the memories of, like, playing the NFL. It's like I really did it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Hopefully, that's the memories you have. <laughs> yeah. 